Hello, everyone, and welcome to tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I am your co-host, Brian Bosarge. As always, my co-host, Shane P. Hallam. Shane, we are 196 days, 22 hours, 59 minutes, and 44 seconds away from the 2023 NFL Draft. And we are knee-deep into the college season. I think starting to get some clarity on some of these draft stocks, some of these positions. Um, definitely some interesting games this week. I was in Dallas uh, just, just a mile away from – Texas blowing out Oklahoma and uh, every Lyft driver I had was asking me my opinion on the game. So it was, it was a good time. A good time. Indeed. Uh, I guess the real question, Shane is how much deep fried stuff did you eat at the Texas state fair? I not, not enough. We got some, some deep fried shrimp. Um, I did not try the deep fried charcuterie board that won best in show there. Um, I opted out of that one. So maybe I'll regret that. I don't know. But I, we were there for four hours. I got lost like 20 times. It's so big. Uh, I, could, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I basically used the cotton balls, just like walk around there to figure out where I'm supposed to go. Deep fried shrimp as in stuff I can get anytime around here. Yeah, uh, yeah, well, yeah. Well, I mean, it was, look, it's much better than I can get around here. So I, I took it. Uh, everybody, uh, if you're watching live in the chat, uh, and you want a question answered later in tonight's episode, go ahead and drop it in the uh, in the comments there, and we'll get to it later. Uh, or you can follow us on our Discord channel and ask your questions there as well. We've got several questions tonight already, Shane, there, and a couple on Twitter as well. But you can go at Draft Countdown and ask your uh, questions there. We will answer all of them at the end of tonight's episode. Uh, Shane, uh, any, any big headlines this week that uh, stood out to you I have a couple of things to talk about, maybe, but not uh, not anything of grand note. Um, yeah, I, I think the big injury that it's been a little controversial, I guess, now. Jalen Daniels, the quarterback at Kansas, uh, reported that he was out for the year, and he tweeted that that was news to him, uh, which is always weird when that happens. Like, is the reporter wrong? Is Jalen Daniels not being told something? Is he lying? Like, I, I think there's always so many layers that it could be, but that, that's that been an interesting saga to follow. Nine times out of ten, it usually ends up being what was reported first is right. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, so, so someone leaked it. I, I don't think the guy made it up. Uh, you know, the blue checkmark guy, like, made this up. So, yeah. We did have a trade uh, this week, Shane. Uh, the Falcons traded uh, – Deion Jones, the linebacker, and his pennies on the dollar contract uh, to the Cleveland Browns. The team swapped 2024 late round draft picks. I know you said you love those uh, draft picks that involve 2024 trades. Yeah, I don't have to adjust my mock draft and be like, wait, was there a trade? Do I have to change these picks? That's it's always, I'm sure my 23 seven rounders still have a couple picks wrong. Uh, it, I didn't catch or, or there, there, sometimes it's different. So it's 24 picks. I, mean, I don't have to worry about it until next year. It's in stone. We're good. Right. Uh, I Another little factoid uh, reported out from Chris Falica, uh, Bear from College Game Day there, uh, tweeted out a nice little fact, and I think we're going to talk about at least two of these three games, and maybe all three later. But this is only the second time in college football history there are three matchups of teams 5-0 and or better on the same day. Alabama, wow. Alabama at Tennessee, Oklahoma State at TCU, and Penn State at Michigan. All teams are at least five and zero or better, all playing on the same day. So uh, only the second time that's ever happened. That, that that's pretty crazy because I think you think of this season, you're thinking parity, and there's been uh, teams that we didn't expect winning and teams losing, which has happened. But there's a lot of teams that are good, like are good, are, are winning, like you said, five games undefeated. Um, I guess it's going to be a good week of football. That's that's exciting. Sounds like it will be uh, for sure. Uh, but before we can get to that week of football, Shane, we got to look back at last week, and uh, we, we we watched a lot of games last week together. And uh, one particular player we talked about last week uh, as basically being MIA on the milk carton, I think, as as we called it. Uh, well, Shane, he is my best offensive player I watched <laughs> this weekend. We have we have found him. TCU wide receiver Quentin Johnston has come back to life. And, then, and that thrilling game against Kansas, Shane, 
targeted 16 times, caught 14 balls, 206 yards, and a touchdown. And impressive. And, and his ability to separate and move in the open field for a guy that's six foot four, two twelve, and also can go up and get the 50-50 ball, Shane. Now I see why everybody thought he was so special. And it also means like, why the hell did it take them five games to start getting him the football? Yeah, which like they won. I guess you can't fault them for that. Uh, they've been winning every game, but even so, when they needed the games on the line, tight game, they won by uh, a touchdown. Which we, we went opposite of each other in our lock of the week, and uh, uh, sure we'll talk about it later. When <laughs> it pushed uh, in that game, they, they went to the guy. I moved him back up to my wide receiver four after the game. I was like, "Look, this is so, this so, is it. This is." I, this I is might have I actually needed. moved him up to wide receiver three. I was like, "Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> sorry for doubting you, man. What an impressive game he had, and it was a super impressive. I can see why some people have him as wide receiver one. I can see it." After that performance, if he, um, if he was if he was if he was the the guy that transferred to Alabama, I mean, I think we'd be talking about him like wide receiver one. So, right. Who was your favorite offensive player you watched this week? Yeah, I, I'm gonna go a little chalk here uh, as well. I didn't even put him in my write up because I felt like it was too on the nose. But uh, Bijan Robinson, uh, the running back for Texas, was absolutely dominant against Oklahoma. And I think this year has been a little rough for him. The offensive line hasn't been as good as it was last year. Um, but you know, 22 carries, 130 yards, two touchdowns, had a couple catches in the game, almost six yards a carry, yeah, blocking. I think you see why Bijan Robinson's a first-round pick and a potential top 15 pick when you watch this Oklahoma game. As bad as Oklahoma was, they're still a team with legitimate NFL talent on both sides of the ball. And some of these pass rushers, I mean, Bijan was standing up. He was running guys over. That'll be playing on Sundays. Um, you see the, the quickness of the feet in the box. I just thought it was a really good game from him to showcase what he's going to do at the next level. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, there was some chatter about maybe moving him down from RB1 for some people with the Jameer Gibbs emergence and, 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 but uh, I, I think he's, he's firmly in that uh, locked in right now. Uh, going to the defensive side of the ball. I'm not going to say I had a hard time singling out anybody, but so I went with uh, UCLA linebacker Darius Musau, the Hawaii transfer uh, in their game, eight tackles, an interception, and a forced fumble. And he's consistently, when I've watched uh, UCLA, and going back to when I watched Hawaii, he's consistently around the football, uh, good in space. His interception, uh, he was 30 yards down the field, dropped in the zone coverage. Great, great play on the ball. Um, so I, I went with him this week. Um not going to say because of lack of options, but he was just you know, just the name I went with here. No, I, like, I, I think it's fair. Sometimes I think there, I feel like there are some weeks where it's tough on one side of the ball to really pick out who stood out or overperformed. So uh, I'm there with you. My my defensive. I'm actually going to drop two names because um, I watched Jackson State against Alabama State. Um, and Aubrey Miller, the linebacker for Jackson State, I was really hoping to watch. Uh, start, was he was looked awesome early, and then had a targeting call in the first quarter and got ejected from the game. It's <laughs> like the the worst. I'm like, oh man, this guy's legitimate. So I still put on my names to know because I, I think he's good. Like the talent's there. Um, but you know, I, I was out this weekend, so I was kind of in a rush. I wrote that before I finished the game. Um, Keenan Isaac, the corner for Alabama State. He impressed me the rest of the game. He's he's really, really good. Um, he was, like, locked on coverage. Uh, I think he had three passes broken up. And the Jackson State offense, you watched Jackson State this year. I mean, Shooter Sanders and that offense, five-star recruit Kevin Coleman. Isaac was on him. Uh, he, he was locked into him. So I, I moved him to 6'3", long, fast. I, I moved him into draftable range. Uh, I think both these HBCU guys are going to get drafted. Yeah, uh, Keenan Isaac, great length uh, as well, and that that's becoming a predominant uh, looking point. Uh, a guy you didn't mention that in a game that you watched, um, I didn't watch the game either, but I, I feel like we have I have to talk about it quickly, and that was Will Anderson. 
from Alabama. Uh, eight hurries <laughs> in the game against Texas A&M. Didn't get to the didn't get the sack, but as I can't I can't wish I could remember who to credit with this. Who who was basically started the disruption is production uh, line when Jadevian Clowney was coming through, but. If you're hurrying the quarterback eight times, that is huge in a football game. It's it's important. And that's really all the NFL wants to see. Like, sacks are great. Having those numbers are great. Uh, but when you are getting after the quarterback, changing how they move, how they look down the field, that that's just as important. The sacks will come if you're getting to the quarterback, if you're able to get past the, the blocker uh, and get pressure. That's that's just as good, if not better sometimes. And in a lot of cases for Will Anderson in that game, it was better. He didn't get the sack. Uh, you know, there, there was turnovers. There was, uh, there was just some, some bad passes. Sometimes he didn't need the sack. So it, he, he's, he's the best player in this draft. We knew it coming into the year. There's no doubt about it. And if a team like the Steelers gets the number one pick, your mock draft this week, uh, I think they were picking two. You know, they'll take a Will Anderson and be happy about it. Yeah, um, I had somebody saying that, you know, they've ignored the interior defensive line and offensive tackle position for so long. You know, I was like, well, maybe if they're not picking two, they can focus on that position. But if they're picking two, they're drafting Will Anderson. And that's a scary uh, thing to look at with him and TJ Watt coming at you from either side. Um, Shane, we uh, we had a good debate last week on the tight ends where we had some significant differences. We do have some differences here, uh, not at the top two, but we do have uh, some differences here in the linebacker position, a uh, position that has, let's call it for what it is, has been devalued a bit uh, in the recent NFL draft. Um, so take this all with, you know, you're looking at guys that probably not going to be top 10 picks. I would say, or maybe it just depends. But I think you're looking at guys that could go in that 10 to 20 range as we go forward. But let's start at the top, and we're the same here, uh, both. And it's Oregon linebacker Noah Sewell, the younger brother of current Detroit Lions um, offensive tackle Penny Sewell. Uh, what do you love about Noah Sewell's game? the most and why you have him number one. I think the physicality and the closing speed, you know, he'll hit you. He'll get to you fast. Noah Sewell knows how to wrap up as well. Uh, there, there's some big tackles that Noah Sewell has where he is coming in like a Mack truck, hitting a guy, but he's still wrapping up. Like he's still not letting you know, the big hit is clean. And, and to me, that's such a, a an art in football right now and the defense. You need a linebacker that can do that. Uh, he's, he also doesn't have a ton of production. He's not putting up 10 tackles a game. He's not getting sacks or doing much in coverage, even getting tackles for losses. Oregon's kind of setting him, letting him sit back and playing cleanup on that second level. Um, so I think it could hurt his draft stock. I, I don't think he's a top 10 pick. I think he's more of a bottom of the first round kind of player. Uh, but you know, we've seen a guy like Devin Lloyd make an impact here early. I think very similar situation. I, I agree with what you said there. I would love to see him unleashed a little bit more. I think the potential is there, uh, but it's just not a part of the scheme. It doesn't seem to uh, allow him to do that. Uh, another guy who has no problem getting unleashed and uh, can cover the ground uh, sideline to sideline with a quickness. It's both of our number twos here, and it's Clemson linebacker Trenton Simpson. I, I love I love Trenton Simpson. Um, he's he's a top, top recruit, five star guy coming into Clemson, and yeah, he is he's athletic. You know, he he played running back in high school as a dominant running back. Um, Coverage is what I love about him. Like he can cover tight ends and he's good enough to do it. Uh, but we have him listed 6'3, 230. He he can he can hit you and cover you and disrupt passes. I think that's I think that's kind of the best the best aspect of his game. Um, another thing that 
a lot of NFL teams need right now. So that combined with um, his tackling, I think his vision's improving in terms of weeding through traffic, uh, getting off blocks is getting better. Once again, not a big stat producer, but he's he, he's a really good player, and that that's important. Uh, the more and more I get into him, probably after the process is over, the more and more I think he's probably going to move up to LB1 uh, for me just because of that coverage and that ability to get downhill with the quickness. Um, number three for both of us – I'm sorry, not for both of us, but number three for me, uh, unranked for you. Uh, I'm back on board. I, I was on board last year, come off, but I'm back with Alabama linebacker Henry Toa Toa. Uh, and it's for a lot of the reasons that I like Trenton Simpson is the fact he gets downhill quick, he finishes the play, and he can cover. The problem with Toe Toe is that you don't see with Simpson a lot is he gets out of place a bit and can cause a big gain uh, behind him. So something he definitely needs to work on. But I like the athleticism and everything that he brings I, st- I still don't think he's played as well as he did at Tennessee, which is unfortunate in that Alabama defense. This year is definitely an improvement over last season. Uh, I thought his game this past week against Texas A&M was very good, um, really a clean, clean up tackles all over the place. They, they let him, like you said, get back in coverage uh, a lot in that game. It was very helpful for to unleash Will Anderson. Uh, but he's starting to play the run, play a little smarter in terms of angles, uh, I think it's getting better. He's my number six, so very close. I definitely considered him for that five spot. Uh, number three for you, unranked at the top five for me, but at number seven on my list is Iowa linebacker Jack Campbell. Great size, four for the fourth-year uh, player, 6'5", 243. Uh, not a lot of positives to talk about for Iowa this year, uh, definitely offensively, but – on defense, they can play. One of the best defenses in the country. Uh, Jack Campbell's the leader of that defense. Talk about talk about him, Shane. Uh, he he is kind of a, a big, you know, Fred Warner type of linebacker. Just sees what's in front of him. Really smart football player. Knows how to 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 stack and shed. Get to the running back quickly. Um, good closer. You know, he's he's big. He's physical. You can't run through him. I've rarely seen Campbell. He, he never gets run over. He's he's taking you down and taking you backwards. I mean, he just knocks guys back. 63 tackles so far this year in six games. He, he's, he's a tackle machine. You, you don't get past the second level of Iowa running the football or on some of these short passes because Jack Campbell's going to take you down. To me, that's uh, that's huge. I, I, he's, he's the guy that I, I'm like – he could be LB one by the end of this um, just because you're getting the size along with a really, you know, player that, that plays really cleanly. Absolutely. Uh, number four on my list and number five on yours uh, is Texas linebacker DeBarvion Overshawn or Sean, uh, another athlete athlete. Uh, at the position that overruns plays a bit, gets itself out of position, but has that speed and coverage ability, ability to get to the quarterback. Uh, so there's a lot to like there, but another guy that needs to maybe play a bit more disciplined. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think this year has been a little worse for DeMarvian Overshawn than last year, and I think a lot of it's because the Texas defense is better. He had to do everything last year. He was all over the field. He was making plays. Um, and like like you said, it led to some undisciplined plays. This year, he's had to rein it in a little bit. I think he, had, he struggled with that early, had some big plays. Um, but now Texas Tech, West Virginia, Oklahoma, I think Marvin Overshawn's kind of getting it. Uh, they're letting him blitz a little bit more, you, using him back in coverage. He, he was – he was just playing all over the place against Oklahoma. I think that versatility is what I really like about him. Uh, I, you know, I wonder that the size, he's only 220. I don't think he's going to be this blazing athlete. I worry about that from a draft stock perspective, size and speed. But uh, in ter- as a player, I think Marvin Overshawn's really good. 
Uh, number four on your list is a guy I've, I've I, I got to watch this guy. He's been all over the Twitter. Jim Nagy's been all over this guy, talking about him for weeks. Uh, and it's and now you have uh, seemingly went to bat for this guy as well. And that is Washington State linebacker Dayon Henley. Uh, this guy's pretty good, Shane. Yeah, transfer from Nevada. So I, I really transferred Nevada to Washington State. He wasn't really on my radar. I think we had him on our watch list. But um, I, I went back and watched him against Oregon in these past couple games and just watched the USC game today. I, I, I mean, he, he is the ideal outside linebacker in the NFL. 6'2", 232. They blitz him off the edge at times. He had three sacks against Colorado State. Uh, dropping back into coverage. He's always making a play. He's in the backfield constantly. Like, you, you run to the outside, Deion Henley's just running you down. I mean, he's closing on Pac-12 running backs, guys that are going to get drafted. It, it, it's just wild to me to see the the explosiveness and the athleticism that he brings to the table. So if you haven't checked out Deion Henley, um, go watch Washington State. I, I think you'll be impressed. Well, I won't be doing it this week, and I won't be doing it next week because I have the week off. I looked it up. But uh, there you go. If if their game's not on Pac-12 Network on the weekend of the 29th, <laughs> I will watch Deion Henley uh, that week. Uh, number five for me, um, I'm not going to lie to you, is a holdover from a guy I fell in love with last year and haven't had the heart to move him out of my top five yet, but it's heading that way. And that's Maryland linebacker Ruben Hippolyte, 6'1", 225. Loved his play last year. Big, flashy linebacker. Made great plays for Maryland. But he's only played in four games this year, has had some injury issues, uh, and has not made much of an impact for the Terrapins' defense uh, when he's been out there. So, But I loved his, his ability to fly around. I liked him in coverage uh, last year. But – uh, does not look like he's going to be a, much of a factor in the 2023 draft class. I imagine he'll go back to school. So uh, this may be the last time we talk about uh, Ruben Hippolyte II uh, in our uh, moving forward. Another high recruit uh, that Maryland brought in. I think he's talented, but yeah, injuries. He hasn't been a full-time starter for them uh, this year at all. So I'll be interested to see what his career looks like. And uh, – we, we, we were going to save these for uh, later, but we'll go ahead and get – Nino dropped a couple of linebacker thoughts in here, so I figured this would be a good time to, to knock these out. Uh, Michael Jones from Syracuse, love him. I uh, think right now he'd probably be an early day three guy for me. Uh, I like his teammate as well, uh, Marlo Wax, the third-year linebacker there. I like both those guys. Uh, but if I had to guess right now, I'd say Michael Jones is a, uh early day three guy for me. He's he's small. I think he's going to fit certain defense as well. I think he can blitz off the edge. I agree with you. I think, I think Michael Jones probably falls in that day three mix, but could be one of those players that has an impact on a team with some injuries because um, he can get after the quarterback too, and that's always interesting. Uh, speaking of guys that get after quarterback, and that's I, 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 we can stick an edge. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not I'm not listing him as an off ball linebacker, even though I believe that's. Yeah, Drew Sanders from Arkansas, right? So, yeah, I, I, I don't. I think he's a uh, he's more of an edge for me. I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lump him in with the rest of these linebackers. Yeah, I, I know there's been some putting him at linebacker, but he's um, he's definitely been a big mover on our edge rankings. I have him up to my sixth edge in this class, and and he's he's right there uh, for being a top three player. I mean, every game Drew Sanders is just getting sacks, getting tackles for loss. He's Racking it up, he's everywhere. Alabama just did not use him properly. So um, rare to hear that sentence. Yeah, I could touch first round pick for Drew Sanders. But yeah, we have him as an edge, not a linebacker. All right, Shane, let's move on to our games this week. Um, I took a limited uh, limited schedule this week. We'll talk about that uh, at the end of the show. Uh, but Shane, uh, you got a game going on right now. Uh, and as I'll flip it over there and let everybody know, Louisiana at Marshall. This game started at 6.30 on ESPN2. Marshall leads 7-3 to three at the half. 
over the Raging Cajuns. Uh, Chris Smith, uh, the running back in Louisiana, out with a hamstring injury, not playing tonight, Shane. So you can cross him off your list of, of guys to watch. But uh, Marshall got a running back there that's kind of coming on here, Kalan Laybourne, the Florida State transfer. Uh has had a big season thus far for the for the Thundering Herd. He, he has. I, I think he's playing himself to be at least a priority free agent in this class with Rasheen Ali. Their typical running back is still out, uh, though he's with the team, but he's been out for some personal reasons. So we'll see. I you know I wanted to see Laybourne kind of up close, and then Louisiana. You've raved about tight end Johnny Lumpkin. I want to look at him a little bit more. Um, so might be a couple of players in this class, but two, two, two teams that uh, I was hoping for a little more offense in this one. It's, it sounds like, but I'm taping it. I'll actually, once we're off the air, I'm going to go back and watch Johnny Lumpkin early, uh, early favorite for me for best blocking tight end uh, in this class. Not much of a receiver, Shane. Uh, like I said, I think he's, I think he's a couple of bowls of gumbo away from being an offensive tackle myself. Look, we saw a lot of those guys get drafted last year late. Coquif from Minnesota, guys that barely caught balls, so it can happen. Uh, tomorrow night, 6 p.m. on Fox Sports 1, I'll be watching Baylor at West Virginia. Uh, first look, I believe, for me, for both of these teams this year. And a couple of guys from Baylor, anxious to get my eyeballs on. Uh, Siaki Ika, the defensive lineman, big guy. He's a stud. Uh, loved watching him last year. Uh, I enjoyed watching Jackson Player, uh, defensive lineman from Tulsa, transferred into Baylor. Anxious to see if he's getting any playing time there uh, in the move up. West Virginia, we talked about some of their guys uh, on the podcast. Guard Doug Nestor, uh, going to get a going to get a workout, I think, uh, with uh, with Ika in there this week. And I, I, JT Daniels, I guess, is there anything left there to uh, talk about? I don't know if there's much with J.C. Daniels, but uh, maybe we can get West Virginia kicker Casey Leg in the NFL. We have Dicker the kicker now. Can we get Leg the kicker? Uh, it'd be aptly named. Probably not. Is that, is that the only reason he's on our watch list? Because his last name is Leg. Oh, he's 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 not bad. He's pretty good. I, I don't know if he's NFL material, but you never know. So you got to get him on there. And Baylor has some good offensive linemen. Jacob Gall, the center. Connor Galvin, the offensive tackle, both guys might be drafted. Ben Sims, the tight end, also very good. Uh, 6 p.m. on ESPNU Friday night. I, I loved watching some Ivy League last year, and I loved watching Brown because of E.J. Perry, but he ain't there this year, and Brown ain't got nobody to watch. But Princeton does, Shane. Princeton does, and they have wide receiver Andre Iasivas. Got nailed it. Look at look at all you. Right. From Hawaii all the way across across the country to Princeton there. And I had to look at this because this just seemed impressive to me. Um fastest ever 60 meters in the NCA heptathlon, uh 6.71 seconds. I don't know. I'm just assuming that's good. And I know he was on the uh Bruce Feldman freaks list because he's got great size and speed. So Andre Iasivas is the main watch here. And their edge rusher, uh, Uche Ndukwe, uh, not bad as well. Got to watch. Good. You, yeah, you. I, I'll, I'll be surprised if you don't fall in love with Iasivas. I mean, every time I've watched him this year and even going back to last year, uh, you could see the athleticism. He was definitely not polished last year. He didn't know what he was doing. Uh, definitely a track guy uh, playing football. I think this year so far, it's been the opposite. I think he's proven he's a football guy. I he he's he's my like small school guy this year that I just think is going to blow up. Um, not to Christian Watson's heights, you're playing for Princeton, but I think round three, round four, I think we can see I see this rise to that level. Uh, 6.30 p.m. on ESPN, Friday night, Shane, Navy at SMU. And we all love Rasheed Rice, uh, top five receiver for me right now. I think he's – if he's not there already for you, I think he's heading in that direction uh, in this draft class. Um, not a whole lot to – I mean, it's Navy, so the academies generally don't have great players to watch. We only have one on our watch list. But who else from SMU – 
uh, other than Rasheed Rice, are, are you wanting to get a good look at here on Friday night? I like Brian Massey, their, their safety. He's young. I don't know if he'll be in this class, but he's a player that uh, I definitely want to have on my board. Uh, we've talked about Elijah Chapman, their defensive lineman, a couple times. I think he's solid gap filler there. Uh, so, so there's a couple of players. Jalen Thomas, their guard. I feel like SMU always has some good offensive linemen too. Um, but, yeah, Rice is definitely the the main course there. Um. This is a philosophical question. I guess I'm going to ask it, but when you're watching a defense against one of these triple option offenses, are, are, is there anything you can really gather from an evaluation point? I, to me, I think it, it's very helpful to see discipline because that's what that triple off triple option offense really plays on, right? You have to be disciplined in what you do. So, is that a defense, is someone like Elijah Chapman? Is he going to stick to his gaps or is he going to try to make a play? And that's usually where you get into trouble. Um, you know, th- that's important. Linebackers, what's the vision like? What, what are the instincts like? Um, are you going to over-pursue? It's so easy to make those kind of mental errors against triple option offense. That's that's usually what I come away with. It's hard to get a full evaluation. Absolutely, you, know, you, you can't really get everything, but th- that's one thing that's really interesting. Uh, Saturday morning, 11 a.m. on the Big Ten Network, Shane. Uh, Minnesota at Illinois and the continued rise of Chase Brown, the Illinois running back. Illinois uh, ranked in the top 25 this week. Uh, Minnesota, uh, nice bounce back. It looks for Muhammad Ibrahim. Their running back looks like he's recovered from his injury he had a year ago as well. So, this should be a good, fun running back battle here, if nothing else. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited because it looks like he's going to play. He didn't play against Purdue, uh, and they lost. I don't know what the injury was, but he's looks like Muhammad Ibrahim's ready to go. So Ibrahim against Chase Chase Brown. I, man, I absolutely love him. I I, I want to move him into like my top five running backs. I can't do it yet, but I think he is that type of talent. So I think it is going to be fun because Minnesota has some good players. Uh, John Michael Schmitz, their center. Some people have as a, a top center in this class, day two type prospect. Um, Brevin Span four, their tight end, another really good blocking tight end that's starting to show some pass catching ability. And Illinois, uh, Devin Witherspoon, their corner, a name to, to know. He is steadily rising up draft boards, big play corner, um, really good ball hawk. So I, I'm excited to see him. Could be on my names to know list if he has a good game this week. Looking forward to that uh, for sure. Um, Old Dominion at Coastal Carolina, 11 a.m. on ESPNU. Uh, this will be me and this will be my Sunbelt uh, game of the week to watch. And I watched, I haven't watched Coastal Carolina this year. So uh, be my first look this season at Grayson McCall, uh, the quarterback there, and see if, if, is see if he's ready to make the jump. Uh, so, like I said, second watch it at Old Dominion um, and Tobias Harris, their corner, had a really good game against Virginia Tech in the game I watched earlier this year. Uh, but the guy who I was looking forward to watching that game that didn't have a uh, a big stat day anyway was Zach Kuntz, their tight end. So I, I assume he's been better since then. So anxious to see him in this game. And I don't think he's played much based off some conversations I've seen, but I would love to see Braden Bennett play if nothing other than that. I loved his father as a football player at the university of South Carolina, Brandon Bennett. So would like to see him succeed just based on if nothing else but that. Yeah, he's, uh, I would be nice to see him. I don't know what's going on, but every week he just doesn't play. And Grace McCall's been banged up, but I've uh, been playing through it. So I, I always appreciate that toughness. Um, one player we don't have on our, our watch list, which I, I feel like I say every weekend and they're actually there, but I think this time they're not, is Old Dominion receiver Allie Jennings. Uh, they haven't been thrown to Zach Koontz because Allie Jennings is having, like, he's had a 200-yard game. He's had f- four games over 120 yards receiving. Um, really interesting player transferred from West Virginia. So, uh, I'll be interested to see if you watch and come away that we, we need to add him. Definitely. We'll check it out. Uh, my big game this week that I'll be watching is 11 a.m. Big noon kickoff on Fox. And that is Penn state at Michigan. And I'm going to tell you one guy I am 
super focused on watching, and I'm going to go out on and say I'm going to butcher this one, but it's Penn State third-year offensive tackle, Olumayiwa Fashanu. Close enough. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's pretty good. Let's I see. I want to see how he does here against uh, Michigan. I've heard great things. I moved him up my board a little bit after an initial viewing, uh, but, but I want to see the full full go here against Michigan's edge rushers that they have on defense. Yeah, this is going to be a great game. I, I you have a good one here because you mentioned you know he's going to be going up. Michigan's front seven is still really good. Um, who was their their defensive lineman, uh, Mazzy Smith, the top the freak list? Yes. <laughs> uh, he'd be number one on that list. is pretty impressive. Um, so I, he, he hasn't quite impressed me with his play yet, but I'm interested to see how he does against Penn State. Uh, I, I like Penn State's – both their tight ends could get drafted, Eric All and Luke Shonemaker, uh, both very intriguing. And, you know, Penn State uh, – Jair Brown, their safety, it's really come on like gangbusters and probably has a shot to be a day two pick. Yeah, a lot a lot of players going to be drafted for that play in this football game uh, th- this year, I believe. Uh, speaking of a game that's going to have a lot of players drafted in it, Shane, and that's your game this week, 2.30 CBS, Alabama at Tennessee. Alabama survived the scare last week. Um, it's close. Seven and a half point favorites, I believe, on the road here at Tennessee. Uh, so the the big thing here is is going to be Hendon Hooker, no interceptions this season, uh, and it's not for that he's not throwing the ball a lot because <laughs> he is. And speaking of those guys who were on the milk carton chain that seem to have uh, emerged, I wrote about it a little bit in my article this week. Brew McCoy, welcome back. Yeah. Welcome back, Brew McCoy. Jalen Hyatt uh, had a good game last week against LSU. Uh, I don't know if Cedric Tillman's going to play again this week, but if he does, they could test the Alabama secondary, Shane. That does have a uh, quite a few guys who are going to be playing on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it looks unlikely that Cedric Tillman's going to play, which, which is a big hit. But it also tells me if Hendon Hooker, can score a bunch of points in this game that he's legitimate. This is going to be his national. Can you do it? Impress NFL teams. Here you go. Uh, I think this is going to be it. Like you mentioned, Brew McCoy has been stepping up uh, within that. So uh, Tennessee, just, it's just an interesting team that's really playing well. I mean, I love their defense too. Like I, I think they can stop Alabama. Jeremy Banks um, is an intriguing linebacker for them. So that, you know, they have some of those defenders that Byron Young that are pretty good. Alabama's just stacked all around. They're like their offensive line even has guys. JV and Cohen's like playing part time and is, is a, I, I still think he's a top 10 guard in this class. He, he plays like it week to week. So it's just wild. Uh, I was impressed with Jabari Small, the running back for Tennessee last week as well. So a lot of talent on there. And we're not going to talk about it right now, but I kind of mentioned it passively on Twitter the other day that Hendon Hooker is going to be a 25-year-old rookie. We're going to have to talk about that at some point and, and what potential impact that may end up having on him. But that we're, we'll talk about it now. But down the road, that's definitely something we're going to have to talk about uh, and whether it even matters at all. Uh, 2.30 p.m. on the ACC Network, NC State at Syracuse. I'll be watching this game. Uh Second straight week, I believe I've watched NC State, or second in the last three weeks at the very least. Uh, I like I, I, Devin Leary. I, I thought he was uh, good. Uh, maybe not as much as he was hyped up to be coming into the season, but I think he's a solid quarterback. Could be a top ten quarterback in this class. Day three guy, you know, if if you want to. They've got some good linebackers on that team. Uh, Peyton Wilson, I say uh, Drake Thomas. Those the good players. Um, Syracuse, Sean Tucker, man, stud. Love that guy. Love that guy, man. Uh, I could draft him in the first round, but I love him. And, and we talked about their linebackers uh, earlier, Michael Jones and uh, Marlon Wax. And I, I think Syracuse has more prospects, too. Their offensive tackle, Matthew Bergeron, is a potential day two pick. Uh, could play inside a guard, play outside a tackle. 
Garrett Williams, their corner, has impressed me. Like this Syracuse team is is fairly stacked up. Um, and, and NC State, I, I still, I don't know, I feel like I fell in love with them as a sophomore, but Sheehan Battle, their corner, I like a lot too. Their defense has played tough. It's, it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a tight one. Uh, we, we don't have him on our watch list, but Mississippi State transfer quarterback Garrett Schrader has been really impressive this year for Syracuse uh, when I've watched him. Uh, 2.30 p.m. on the SEC Network, Shane. You have decided this is the week to watch Vanderbilt. Uh, but they're playing Georgia, so well, <laughs> I don't know. Georgia's going to win this game going away. So let's just talk about the Vanderbilt. Uh, who are you looking forward to watching uh, from the Commodore side of this one? Um, yeah, look, the, the Commodores might have a couple couple players that get into camps. Um, Anthony Orgy, their linebacker, is interesting. Um, we got we got a nice note from Jeremy Lucian, their corner, their dad. His dad mess- messaged us. Maybe the uh, nicest <laughs> thing I've ever read from a parent. Usually, uh, usually the parents aren't so fond of us. Uh, you know, that's usually how it goes. I've had my various run-ins at times. So, um, you know, he, he's he's played well, transferred from UConn up to up to Vandy there. Yeah. Uh, Shane, you trying to uh, trying to get in on my on my gimmick here? Yeah. Louisiana and Marshall tonight. Check to Texas State and Troy, two thirty p.m. on the Watch ESPN app. On Saturday, Shane, this is my gimmick, man. Your gimmick infringing here with these Sunbelt games. Look, you can't take all the sun. I got to watch the Sunbelt games sometimes. Um, I, I really picked this game for one prospect, and that's uh, Troy Center Jake Andrews is getting a lot of buzz. He's moving up the center ranks, could potentially be one of the top centers in this class. So I, I haven't watched Troy yet um, and, and definitely want to get on that. Uh, their linebacker, Carlton Marshall is uh, a really impressive player. I-, I think his ceiling in the NFL is a special teams guy uh, just because of his size. But he's probably going to end this season, if not with the FBS record for tackles, pretty close. Now it helps that he's played five full seasons. But, you know, be that as it may. Uh, also a mobile guy. So, you know, there's that. Uh, also been impressed the uh, times I've watched Troy this year. Uh, with their wide receiver, Tez Johnson, uh, number 15. Keep an eye on him there, Shane, third-year player. Yeah, uh, it's going to be good. Texas State's not a bad team either, so uh, not that they have pro prospects per se, but uh, it be fun. I like the Sun Belt too. I can like them too. 6.30 p.m. Saturday night on the SEC Network, Shane, Mississippi State and Kentucky. We're going to talk about this game uh, a little bit more later, but uh, – Will Levis, for Kentucky's sake, I hope he plays because that team looked like – they weren't a very good football team offensively uh, without Will Levis under center last week against South Carolina. Good for me, but uh, bad for Kentucky. And uh, but So they really need Will Levis to play or Mississippi State's going to blow them out of the water. And Mississippi State's been good. I mean, their quarterback, Will Rogers – probably the best Mike Leach quarterback I've seen. And that includes Gardner Minshew, who's in the NFL as a backup quarterback. Uh, I think Will Rogers has to be on some lists as next year's potential, you know, senior quarterback, senior bowl kind of player. Um, so this could be a qu- quarterback battle. It looks like Will Levis should be back, hopefully. Uh, or, yeah, it might be, might be a long day for Kentucky. But I do like Kentucky's front seven. Their defense is playing better. Uh, Jordan Wright, their edge rusher. It's impressive. Um, DeAndre Square and J.J. Weaver, their linebackers, Jacquez Jones. Like, they have some good players there. But Mississippi State, I mean, Emmanuel Forbes, their corner, I think is a potential day two player. Um, This this, the team has really turned it around uh, in recent years. They used to be god-awful years ago. So excited to see an explosive offense from them. I can tell you where Kentucky is not good, and that's up front on offense. So uh, that's fair. Eli, Eli Cox, their guard, I like, but yeah, the, the rest of the, the rest of the line is uh, Nathan Pickering, uh, defensive lineman for Mississippi State. I like uh, unheralded uh, player there. Uh, my first look at the Trojans this year, seven p.m. on Fox Southern Cal at Utah. I watched Utah last week. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of Clark Phillips highlights until the end because Dorian Thompson Robinson, not stupid. 
and didn't throw the ball until the end of the game where they were trying to throw for a quick first down to run the clock out. And Phillips was like having none of it, picked it off, ran it back for a touchdown. Uh, <laughs> isn't that like his fourth touchdown this year or something? It, 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 yeah, it's absolutely wild. Is he up to four? That, that would be crazy. Um, I'm not sure. He, it's He's got, I think he's got at least three, though. Yeah. It's got to be close. He has uh, a two, only two yeah, touchdowns. Okay. But, but four, uh, is it four interceptions or, or no, he had three last week. And, yeah. yeah or the week before last. Week. And then he has one five, five yeah. for the year. He's actually ninth in the team in scoring as a corner. Okay. <laughs> uh, but Southern Cal loaded down with players. Uh, you've watched them several times. Uh, Jordan Addison probably their best prospect uh, this year. I feel safe to say uh, Andrew Voorhees, their guard, really good as well. Uh, Makai Blackman, the Colorado transfer at corner, has made waves. Shane Lee, the linebacker transfer from Alabama, has been really good. Uh, but probably the name that's rising the most is the defensive lineman Tuli Tuapulotu, uh, third-year player. Uh, for for the Trojans there. Looking forward to seeing him. Like I said, Utah, Clark Phillips, and, uh, you know, Brent uh, Dalton Kincaid and those other guys. I mean, Tui Luopotu is – he's a monster. He's going to eat up this Utah offensive line. Like, he is such an explosive player. Maybe a potential first-round pick. He's starting to get that kind of buzz, and it's it's warranted. He has the production to match. So that might be a problem for Utah up front and running the football. Tavian Thomas, their running back, who I like coming into the year, has not been great. Um, so that could be tough for Utah. We're going to talk about it a little bit uh, in the next segment there, but the books know something about this game. We don't, Shane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll um, talk about that. In just a second. Uh, last game on the docket this week, Pac-12 Network, Shane. You and 14 friends are watching Washington State at Oregon State, 8 p.m. there. And, uh, yeah, this is a one-man – this is a one-guy watch because this is like your fourth straight week watching Oregon State. So we're not going to talk about them. But let's just talk about – and we talked about Dayon Henley earlier. Uh, who else are you looking forward to watching from maybe from the Cougars? Cam Ward, their quarterback, exciting quarterback coming from Incarnate Word up to Washington State. And he's probably more athlete than passer, but he is he is continuing to get some NFL buzz, his potential, you know, third, fourth round pick, toss a dart and see what happens. So uh Cam Ward, he's he's still he's still pretty young. I think he can go back to school, but this might be a guy we're talking about for 2024. I'm still a fan of Brennan Jackson, their edge rusher. I liked him a couple seasons ago. Um, so we'll see if he's, and I feel like I'm going to just keep picking Oregon state. Cause they always play this like late game Saturday when no one else is playing except, you know, garbage games in the one pack 12 games. So sorry, but I'm going to keep watching Oregon state. Uh, maybe I'll, I, maybe I'll get sick of them soon. If I had the pack 12 network, maybe I could watch Oregon state every once in a while, <laughs> but I, I, I don't. Um, it's fair. So yeah, maybe they should just dissolve that network. It's trash anyway. Let's uh let's move on to this week's lock of the week, Shane. And you see that one, that one by each of our names. We knew this was gonna happen. We, we said it. it on the show last week that this was gonna happen when we both picked the opposite sides of a seven-point spread. We knew what was gonna happen, and sure enough, a 38-31 final. We get the we both get the tie here on on the record. Yeah, it's just wild that that is uh, exactly what happened, right? A seven-point game. There's no doubt about it. And so so you don't lose any money, uh, whoever you chose to go with. It, it, it pushed out. It was all good. We probably shouldn't do that again, I guess. No, probably not. Uh, for the record, we, 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 we went over our prospective uh, picks before the show, so this would not happen again. <laughs> um but so I also decided last week at your behest, Shane, to bet the under 68 and a half. Um, we got 69 points. I mean, how how on the nose is that, though? That was wild. That's good stuff. So, Shane, this week I had four games I wrote down. I'm like, I, I really don't know which one of these to go to. I was kind of throwing darts. I like Southern Cal plus three and a half at Utah. But like we just kind of spoke about, 
uh, Vegas knows something here maybe that we don't <laughs> um, with the undefeated Trojans there. I like Cal minus 14 and a half at Colorado, and I kind of like Wisconsin minus seven and a half at Michigan State, but that is not my lock of the week. My lock of the week this week. I'm a, I'm going to cut the hometown team to the bone here, Shane. South Alabama at home. I'm going to go with the University of Louisiana at Monroe and Terry Bowden, head coach team, plus 17 and a half. I think the the Warhawks cover here uh, at South Alabama. Uh, you're going against the hometown team. You, know, you might have torches and uh, at your front door here. Three miles from campus, Shane. <laughs> uh, no, like, it's not a bad I – mean, that's a big number for – I don't think I don't know if South Alabama could put anyone away by three scores. Uh, they're not a, a, not a bad team this year, but that's a that's a big number. So I I kind of like it, um, especially you, you know you know that stadium well. They'll be playing right down the road. Not not going to be hometown crowd. Not going to be a problem. No, I don't I don't think that's a problem. <laughs> but uh, they did cover a similar number against Louisiana Tech at home earlier this season. But I think. Uh, UL Monroe, they they played some teams tough, and I think this is going to be one of those 10-point uh, games that they, they can cover here. Shane, uh, who do you like this week? Look, I, I'm, I'm riding with Kentucky. I'm taking a risk, but I'm taking Kentucky plus four and a half against Mississippi State. I think Will Levis is going to be back. I think it's going to make a difference. I think the number's low because they just lost to South Carolina. I think at, at worst – they lose by a field goal. I think Kentucky can keep points with Mississippi State and maybe even win this game outright. They're at home, home dogs in the SEC. Mississippi State's look good, but I think I think Kentucky. It's time to to come back and Will Levis to show what he's got. He's going to be looking for that. So um, four and a half is it, it's dropped uh, when when I looked today this morning to pick it, it was actually at six and a half, which would have been very nice. But uh, four and a half, I'm still I'm still on board. I like it. All right, so we've got a lot of questions we talked about earlier. We'll start with the Twitter questions first. Shane uh, at Lord Luckin on Twitter asked, name one offense and one defensive player that you are not as high on as a consensus right now. Ooh, yeah, that's a tough question. I mean, I, I think, and I, I think you mentioned his uh, kind of same as mine as much as I'm talking up Levis there. I'm definitely lower on him than the NFL is, right? I, you know, I, I think uh, I'm redoing my big board here, um, which here it is, which uh, I'm redoing my big board. I think I, I think I have him at like 22. So it's not that much lower maybe than the NFL is on him. Um, but I don't know, maybe a guy like, Marvin Mims, the receiver for Oklahoma, a lot of people like a lot. He's down on my wide receiver 10, and honestly, I'm going to move him down to 11 or 12 here pretty soon. Um, defensively, that's that's tough. Uh, I guess I guess maybe, um, you know, we, talk, we talked about Henry 2020. Um, I, I still see some love out there for some of, some of these corners that I haven't – you know, haven't fallen in love with like Avery Young from Rutgers has kind of fallen off the map a little bit. Um, it, it's tough because it's tough to know like what what that consensus is at this point. So I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. If someone else jumps out, I'll pop it in there. Uh, at Best of MM2 asked, how many running backs go in the first three rounds? It's a good question because I kind of think it's going to be a lot. I think we hit double digits this year in the top three rounds of running back. I'm going to go lower because I know we went low last year. I think it's going to stay low. I'm going to say six. That I think we, I think we might have six in the top fifty. Like I I I, I honestly uh, uh, that maybe top seventy five. I mean, a lot of this could change. Maybe one of these guys surprisingly stays in school. Right. Or whatever, and you That's could fair. you could see that number down, but I I will say as of today, let's go with uh, six. Yeah, so let's, like I I'm thinking Bijan, Jameer Gibbs, Zach Evans, Sean Tucker, Zach Charbonnet. I think if Tank Bigsby does come out, I think he'll go in the top 100. I think he's one of those guys that can go back to school. I think Chase Brown gets there from Illinois. I think Devin a chain speed 
he'll get there. I think Kenny McIntosh from Georgia is that pass catching running back. And then I think someone else, you know, sneaks in the Keyshawn Vaughn esque. Maybe it's Blake Corn from Michigan comes out. I think he could definitely be there. I'm going, I'm going 10. I'm going 10. All right. So let's get to these discord questions and Nino ask a lot. So we'll, we'll, we'll kind of rapid fire through these. Some of them should be pretty quick to answer. Can Oregon win the Pac-12 and make it in the college full playoff led by Bo Nix? No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I think it's going to be tough. I, I think we saw them get beat by Georgia. I, I don't think they're going to beat USC. I just don't. Uh, will an upset win by the Vols launch Hendon Hooker to the top of the Heisman talk? and give the Vols a legit chance at an SEC title. Yeah. I mean, if you can do that, now I think he definitely becomes up in the highest of talk. I think the problem with Hendon Hooker is going to be just pure numbers. You know, when C.J. Stroud's throwing five touchdowns in three games, um, in each of three games, like Hendon Hooker has 10 for the season. I think it's going to be tough. But if you beat Alabama – I, then I think we start hearing first round talk. I think we start to get Heisman talk. We start to get Tennessee as a legitimate threat. They, I think they have the, the, the team. I think they have the coaching. This could be it. They still have to play Georgia as well. And then would in theory have to play Alabama again, uh, perhaps in the SEC championship game. So that'd be tough. That'd be tough. It's going to be tough. Uh, especially for them to have a for the second part of the question a legit chance of winning the SEC title. Oh, oh, uh, so yeah, they've already played Florida and LSU. I, I, I don't think South Carolina is going to be much of a match for them. In a, in a few yeah, you beat Kentucky, and I, right here's the run starting. I now. just want them to win seven games so I can win my bet that I made on <laughs> their over over six wins. Uh, his another question. I don't know who Izzy is, but he says Izzy or Muhammad Ibrahim. I, I'm assuming he means uh, Israel Abenaconda, the running back for Pitt, who went off for like 300 yards rushing this week against Virginia Tech. Um, I, I, I think, like, I, I think Izzy can be, I think he can end up being a top running back in 2024. I think it's probably more looking that way. I think Ibrahim would get the higher draft capital just for the production longevity. You know what you're getting, you know, round four, but uh Abanaconda definitely turned some heads with that performance. I, I still expect him to go back to pit. Uh, next question. Can Texas win the big 12 over TCU and Oklahoma state is yours. The real deal. I, I think they do win the big 12. I mean, I liked what TCU is doing, but, yeah, I, it doesn't I think with, seem sustainable. Right. I, I just think with Quinn Ewers, Texas is so much better. They're just so much better with him at quarterback, and they nearly beat Texas Tech even without him. I think the team's better than they seem. Oklahoma's a lot worse than it seems, so maybe that's not saying much. Here's a good question that I think we're going to be talking about uh, a lot as we go forward. Uh, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis, Hendon Hooker, then who? Who cracks the top five uh, quarterbacks here? I think we all wanted to see Anthony Richardson take that next step. Hasn't happened. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke's already been benched at one point this season. He hasn't taken that. He's, a matter of fact, taking a step back. Uh, he might need to transfer away from Josh Gaddis at this point just to get himself back in the NFL draft categories here um uh, i i feel like call me crazy but the way he's played this season and he's going to be another older quarterback like hendon hooker it's dorian thompson robinson i think he's got that a real chance to end up as that fifth quarterback in this order uh, I, I, I mean it, it could happen I, I i just i can't like i can't get on board uh, I'm, I'm going jaron hall i'm going to BYU quarterback i think he's been impressive throughout and i don't know people still like tanner mckee i wrote in my article this week like i, I don't see it uh, he's he's big and he has an arm but he can't he can't hit a spot like i just don't maybe don't sam hartman it. maybe sam Hartman. maybe michael Penix. you know i think those guys are playing well I and mean, Penix has had some rough games more of late but i think hartman and Penix have the upside and don't discount aiden o'connell from purdue he's been hurt but uh the nfl apparently really likes him as well so it's 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 wide open here. 
Um, I, I do have to move Dorian Thompson Robinson on my rankings, but I, I, I he can't crack my top 10 yet. I just can't do it. Um, I can't believe we did not talk about Stetson Bennett fourth is I'll stop. Uh, <laughs> our colleague Brad Menendez asked, what's the ceiling for his Wolverines? Can a quarterback with the amount of experience of JJ McCarthy has really take this team to the playoff? No. They made it last year with no. with with a, a word with Cade McNamara. I mean, they can make it. They they can make it with JJ McCarthy. That all they have to do is beat Ohio State. State. That's all they have to do. Not happen. I, I I wish I could say that, but I as a Buckeye alum, I, I cannot can't get that confident. I'm, no, I'm just going to say that no. Confident. I'm just going to say no. Sorry, Brad. Uh, our other colleague, Miranda Wilhelm, asks, uh, what are our thoughts on Jim Leonard as the acting head coach at Wisconsin? Uh, do we predict he'll stick around after the season, or do you think there's a better guy out there? I'm going to be honest. I think that these next six games, are, are they, they, they wanted him there to see, and we talked about it a little bit last week, to see if he could be the head coach. One week in, signs point to yes, but that was against Northwestern, who's trash. So we'll see uh, – how they fare against Michigan State this week and the rest of their schedule going forward. Yeah, I, I definitely think – I think they want him to stick around. I think if the players buy in that he will, um, I, I, I still think they're going to regret firing Paul Chris at some point. Um, but Jim Leonard seems competent. Uh, I just don't know if Wisconsin is going to be enough of a pull to get some of the big names that are going to be out there. So they'd rather stick with what they know. That big name you speak of is Matt Rule, who's about to have a whole host of schools lining up with dump trucks full of cash to uh, throw at him uh, after he was fired by the Panthers. It's just wild because he's going to make $40 million from that, right? And he's not going to take an NFL job, so he gets that money to the best of my knowledge, no matter what. And then you know, somewhere like Auburn is going to back up even more money. He's going to be making $60 million next year. Like yeah, wild at, at Nebraska or maybe Wisconsin or Arizona State or Auburn. So yeah, somebody's going to pay Matt Rule. Um, yeah, it's it's going to happen. Uh, that's gonna that's enough questions uh, for tonight, Shane. Oh wait, wait, wait. Okay, last one more question here. Dwayne yeah. pops in at the last minute. Uh, our opinions on the Devonte Adams situation. I, I I mean you can't push. You can't push the photographer. Like, I, I don't care where he was. I don't care if he was yelling obscenities at you. Like, you can't push the guy on the ground. I, I don't think he's going to get any of the prison time that's with this 180 days potentially. I mean, I, I think they'll they'll give him the max fine. It's a you know city ordinance kind of deal. But, like, it's a bad look for Devontae Adams for sure. Devontae Adams – fines are going to pay for some nice beautification around uh, the city of Kansas city there. And uh, the, that'll be that. Yeah. I, I, you know, I wonder if he regrets his decision. I'm sure he does. <laughs> like, I'm sure he I mean, does. I mean, the money's probably nice, but uh, you know, I, I, like, man, you can't, you can't do that. That That's going to, it was just such a, a wrong thing to do for a guy doing, doing his job. Yeah. Um, that's enough questions now. Final thoughts, Shane, uh, on last week, this week. Uh, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this week. I think we have a, a pretty solid week ahead of us. It's, it's going to be a good slate of games. I think we're starting to get some, like I said, some clarity on these prospects, who's good, who's bad and, uh, and all that. So it's going to be good. I, oh, I see my buddy Darren has a question, um, from our Debbie Marketplace Discord. How many days since Ohio State's beaten Michigan is not, not accurate because Michigan bailed out of the game two years ago due, due to COVID. They bailed. They, they dropped it. There's an uh, asterisk. There's an asterisk there for days since they've beaten them. It's been once in 10 years. Let's, let's see what happens this year. Uh, final thought for me. I'm going to have a great weekend, Shane. Uh, I, I don't know what the word is for something that occurs every eight years, but uh, it's uh, my every eight-year pilgrimage to New Orleans uh, to watch the Bengals uh, play in, in there two hours away from here in Mobile. Uh, 
that's normally the only time I ever get to see the Bengals play in person is when they play in New Orleans. And obviously, I went to the wild card game last year, which was awesome. But uh, octennial, octennial, octennial trip to New Orleans. I mean, I go to New Orleans more often than that, but <laughs> just specifically for to see the Bengals play. Um, so yeah, we're looking forward to that. Uh, we're gonna have a good time. Uh, me and my wife and some friends are we're gonna go down for the weekend, and uh, I'm gonna watch people drink uh to silliness on bourbon street because i don't i don't imbibe and uh i'm going to enjoy some great cajun cuisine as i like to do there you go i love it and like i'm i'm hoping my fantasy team's gonna bounce back i need some some help this I'm, year uh, so. i am dealing with some injury issues right now as well uh that's gonna do it for tonight's issue uh, issue edition of the draft countdown podcast uh if you Follow us on YouTube. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Get notified when we go live. If you listen to us on audio via Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave us a five-star review and uh, share out that to all your buddies and coworkers and such so they can also enjoy this great draft content. Follow me on Twitter at Deep Fried Draft. Follow Shane on Twitter at Shane P. Hallam. Follow Draft Countdown on Twitter at Draft Countdown. And as always, go to DraftCountdown.com for daily articles, rankings, mock drafts, Leading you all up to the 2023 NFL Draft. For Shane, I'm Brian. Good night, everybody.